Just open them up. We're not going to use them. <laughs> we got Alex visiting us today. I hope I don't embarrass you. He's got his Jesus shirt on. And I looked at him. I said, what do you think? We're going to talk about Jesus in this church? I hope we do, right? It's good to have Susan here and her two munchkins. Yeah, praise the Lord for them and give Zahn a big hug and a kiss when you see him for us. And We're thankful to the Lord. Sam looks happy. Uh, Sarah's back uh, after a week and a half. I've never seen, I didn't see Sam smile for about a week and a half, but now uh, she's back. So praise God for that. And I'm glad and I'm not going to embarrass anyone else. Let's open up our Bibles here. And, and I, I want you to think about this here. Ephesians 5, we're going to be studying. What would the earth be like, or what would we be like without light, or what would the earth be like without the sun? Have you ever thought about that? Well, you would get up in the morning, and you would open up, you, you would think you were in Alaska, one, um, and then, uh, not one amen, because I know some people have been in Alaska, but you, you would get up in the morning, you would open up your shades, and no light at all. Uh, actually, someone said if the sun was just to go out, we wouldn't know for uh, nine minutes, and then we would know. Um, and then within a month, are you ready for this? Temperature would be an average of zero degrees. And then after a few years, it will get down to a negative 100 degrees. But then it'll stabilize. Are you ready for this? To a negative 400 degrees. Not great. Um, plants would die, animals that uh, relied on plants would die, and eventually humans would die as well. Um, light is so important. In fact, if you ever study the Bible out, study First John in different texts, or even the book of John, you'll notice that light and darkness are often talked about. Light is a symbol for what is right. Darkness is a symbol for what is bad or evil. In fact, when people are in the dark, it means that they don't understand, they don't know. And then the Bible talks about deeds of darkness and wickedness and how people love darkness rather than what? Light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. They love the darkness rather than light. And, and so we have this light and darkness and so that's why you have some churches that sing this little chorus as you sang as a kid, this little light of mine. You guys know that one? Yeah. All right, do you know it? Yes. Do you really know it? Okay. When was it written? <laughs> what? 1920. He knows that I told him when he came in today. 1920. It was written about 40 years after Chalmers was born, 1920. Um, who wrote it? A lot of crickets here, huh? Everyone's ready to sing this little light of mine. I'm going to shine, huh? Who wrote the song? John. <laughs> wow. Good thing we have extra security today. All right, let's go on. Have you noticed that the song doesn't even mention God? Jesus is not mentioned in the song at all. Not once is he mentioned. In fact, the song was not written to be a Christian song. 
The song was written so that people can say, let this little light of mine shine. Let people see how good I am in this world. Um, see how good of a person I am. I mean, how do we let our little light shine? I mean, you ever think about that? I mean, people are like, yeah, this little light of mine, I'm going to, and I love listening to the, to the, to the older, the people that sing this song with a little bit of spaz and a little bit of, you know, they get it going there, the spunk that they have and they sing it and they say, when I see my neighbor, I'm going to let my light shine. When I get in the home, I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to let it shine all over the place. But how can you let it shine? You know, some people think it's, it's just a, a simple thing here and how we let it shine. But really, as we study this passage out, he's going to tell us to walk as children of light, to let our light shine. In fact, Jesus said, let your light what? So shine. Not just shine, but so shine. That little word so is so important in the Bible because it says, for God so loved the world. He didn't just love it. He so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let your light what? So shine. Let it shine. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So how do we let our light shine? Well, right here in this text as we, we study out here verses 8 to 14, we're going to see how we can display our light before this world here. Notice how it says here in verse 8, to allow our conduct to flow from your character. Watch this. For you were, and I love starting off in the middle of a sentence. Amen, Bob? Bob really struggled reading this. <laughs> For you were, let's study a little grammar here. For you were formerly what? Darkness. It doesn't say that we walked in darkness. It says we were darkness. Do you see the difference? What he's saying here is that formerly we were trapped by the power of sin. Formerly we were under the sway of the devil. Formerly we were hopeless. Formerly we were helpless. To be in darkness to means we were helpless. We could not change. We've all been there. Uh, New Year's resolutions. How many made them and after a few hours broke them? I love to read through the Bible every year because people say that. I'm going to do that and they get to Leviticus and they're done. Right? They get, they get all excited about Genesis. They're all teary-eyed when they're in Exodus. But in Leviticus, there goes the Bible and no longer. And yet we were helpless. We did not have a spark of light inside of us. We did not know God. We were without God, without hope in the world. We were darkness in this world. But now, look what it says here. You are what? Light. The moment someone accepts Jesus Christ, the light of the world comes to live inside of them. Our character changes. We become a new person. Now we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now we are light. There's been a change in our character, a change in our person. We went from being hopeless to hopeful because now Jesus is there. He's saying, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Why? In the Lord. None of this comes because of us. It all becomes because of Jesus Christ. 
And we exhibit his character and show his life and his nature through our lives. You say, how do we do that? Well, look at verse 9. It says, for the fruit of light consists of three things. This is how light will shine. In all what? What's the first word? Goodness. Interesting word. Paul only uses it a few times in the Bible, but really what it means is to be generous. As we are living out generosity and living a generous life, guess what happens? Light shines. Some people are all excited now because starting in July, we're receiving an extra check for having kids. Not one amen. Yeah. And people are thinking of all the things we can do with it now. Oh, now we can do this and now we can do that. Think about this. God wants us to be generous. Yes. And the more generous we are, the more light shines. Not only that, righteousness speaks of dealing with God and with man right. I never thought about this, but did you know when we were obeying some of the stores and putting a mask on and not fighting about it, we were shining light? Not one amen there either. (laughs) And yet there's people who fight it and everything like that, but it's saying righteousness when we deal with God and we deal with man and are righteous walking in integrity. And then here, the next one is truth, which speaks of living a genuine life. It's the absence of being a fake or deceiving others. When people ask you, how are you doing? You don't just answer, okay. You answer with a right, a genuine answer. I tell people, you got an hour? Then they don't ask me that again. But truth is living a genuine life. So so here's what he's saying here. He's saying this. He's saying, let this light shine from a character that has been changed. And how do you know the character's been changed? There's going to be generosity. There's going to be righteousness. There's going to be truth. But here's my question. How can we shine more brightly in this world? And here's the answer. And this is not something that just happens in church, by the way. This happens when nobody's looking. Your time and my time worshiping the Lord in prayer and in Bible reading and studying the scriptures, the more we spend time with God worshiping him by ourselves, the more light shines from us. When Moses went up to the mountain to speak to God, He came down and had to hide his face. Why? Because there is light shining from him. So as we spend time with God in his word, in prayer, understand who Jesus is, pray to him, read his word, guess what happens? More light starts to shine out of us. If you ever studied uh, Lifeway and ever get some of their statistics, look at this graph here. How how much of the Bible have you personally read? Look, Look at this. They did a survey of Americans. This is amazing. How many Americans have read the Bible, all of it, more than once? 9%. How many have read all of it? Only 11%. How many have read none of it? 10%. How many have read only a few sentences? 13%. How many have read several passages of stories? 30%. Oh, I love reading David and and all that. Those are fun things. How many read half of it? 15%. How about almost all of it? 12%. Those are the people that skipped Leviticus. Right? They got got, got 12% of it. But here's the question. Why Why aren't we shining? Because we aren't spending time with Christ. 
And the more that we spend time with him on a personal level, a devotional level, we, we, we bought these uh, little solar lights for the backyard. And I didn't know this, but they had to be in light to give light. I thought, you know, you just put them in the ground and they start giving light. Do you know, believers, we have to be in the light to give light? We can't shine by ourselves. We need to spend time with the Lord, personal time with God. I don't mean just read just a little bit. I don't, I don't want to be part of the 11, just the 9% that just read it all. Just, I, want to, I want to be able to read it a lot. And the more time we spend in, in the Bible, we read it. Look at this here, the next thing here. Display your light, allow your conduct to flow from your character. Learn what pleases the Lord. Look at this verse. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. He's really saying we need to scrutinize, we need to understand, we need to test out what pleases God. And, 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 you know, I think about that. I thought about when we were younger, when we used to have the taste tests. Remember those? When, you know, Coke or Pepsi, which better and what is better? Coke. Amen. All right. You get the, you, you taste the Coke and Pepsi and you drink it out and you had to guess which one was the best and you knew which one a little taste. He's saying you need to taste test. You need to figure out what pleases God. Now, let me tell you this. There are some things in the Bible that it says that we don't even have to pray about. We know it pleases God. Somebody comes up to me and says, oh, I want to marry an unbeliever. Answer is no. Why? Because the Bible says don't do it. You don't even have to pray about this. You don't even have to think about it twice. There's certain things. But there are other things, a lot of other things in our lives where the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what to do. Then what do we do? What, what school should we go to? Who should I marry? What job? What country should I go live in? Where should I live? I never forget when I was in seminary how many people knew God's will for my life. <laughs> One guy came up to me and said, you'd be a perfect fit in Ecuador, Jeremy. You would love Ecuador. It's like Colorado. You got the mountains. You got the beautiful mountains. I had another one tell me, you got to go to Peru. Peru is the best place in the world. Amen in the back there. Amen. We got a Perduana with us today. So praise God there. And uh, we just thank the Lord. Peru is the place. Some people told me New York City. I mean, you ain't going to find pizza anywhere else, you know. You got to go to New York City. That's the place for you. Go to New York. Everyone had a place. The question is, where does God want me? Germany. Germany. <laughs> That's good and tight. All right, let's go on to... But here's what we need to do. We have to find out what pleases the Lord because we can't please any, everyone out there. We know that already. There's only two people in this world I need to please. Jesus Christ and Katie Estrema. Amen? <laughs> everyone else I'm not going to worry about. But as a pastor, it is amazing how hard it is to please. Because somebody come into your office and say, are we going to sing hymns again? <laughs> I don't like those hymns. They just make me sick. Someone else comes to me, hey, pastor, when are we going to start rocking the joint out? We need to rock the joint out. So what Bible do you use? Use that one? Wow. We use this one. Someone else comes to I can't believe it. I mean, it is amazing. Even in our small church, how we ain't going to believe. Do you guys require masks? Or you just recommend them? Pastor, what about the vaccine? What do you think about the vaccine? 
What about that? Pastor, you hear about this Delta variant coming up? Oh, wow, we're in big trouble. What are you going to do, Pastor? What are, you gonna, are we going to build? Because I don't want to I don't want to really go into debt here, Pastor. Are we just going to build? Or are we not going to build? What are we going to do here, Pastor? What are we going to do? So you got to scrutinize. What does God want? And in the end, that's the decision we're going to make. You say, but how does God lead us? I wish that he would just tell us in Ephesians 6, verse 24, that doesn't exist, 25 I mean, and say this, in verse 25, you shall build. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great verse? And then in verse 26, you shall wear masks. Verse 27, you shall not get a vaccine. Verse 28, you should uh, rock the joint out. Verse 29, I mean, no, no amens here, I feel it, no. You shall sing only hymns. Right, we can go on, we can go down the line, but it doesn't say that. So the question is, how does he lead us? And you'll get all kinds of answers about that, but let me give you what Swindoll tells us, and, and he's a, a reliable source here. How does God lead us today? In a wonderful book that he wrote called The Mystery of God's Will, he writes four ways God will lead us. And don't, don't ever forget that this is how God leads us today, how we will really know what God's will is for our lives. One is through his word. We know that one. We know that through his word, if it violates his word, we don't even pray about it. If it says this, we do it. I love the phrases in the Bible that say, this is God's will. When it says that, pay attention, because that means he's not thinking about it, wondering about it. This is what he wants. And so we do it. His, his word is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. Look at the next one. Through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get a little nervous to talk about the Holy Spirit because there's such an overemphasis about it, about him. But really, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget asking a guy, a friend of mine, David. I said, how did you know your wife, Melissa, was the one that you were going to marry? He says, because God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The promptings of the Holy Spirit. We need the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives to determine God's will. Notice the next thing. Through godly counsel. And let me, let me give a, a word of warning here. We will always find somebody who agrees with what I think I should do. Keep seeking it out. But when we talk about godly counsel, we're talking about people who are walking with the Lord and people who don't have a dog in a fight and really people who are able to answer things biblically. I read something which Swindoll says in his book. You know who not to ask when you're about to make a big decision in your life? Your immediate family. You know why? Because they don't want you to do things that are going to hurt them. Should I go to Argentina? Well, you could live close to me. And that's why I praise God for my father-in-law who said, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. So if you're going to take my daughter and grandchildren to Argentina, go ahead. But you better be back in 12 years and live here. And No, he didn't say that. But I praise God. Sometimes it's hard. We want immediate family to come and tell us what to do, but it hurts them too. So they're going to be not really tell us what we should do. And then I want to show you something else that's very important. Through an inner assurance of peace, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, some people, we pray for open doors, but I'm going to say something here, and I dare to say this. Not every open door is God's will. You say, where is that in the Bible? Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Paul says this, Now when I came to Troas... 
for the gospel of Christ and when an open, when a door was open for me in the Lord. Paul has an open door to preach the gospel. How exciting is that? I mean, this has to be God's will. Amen? No. Because look what he says here. I had no rest in my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went to where? Macedonia. He didn't go to Troas. So there are times when we pray, God, just open the door and shut the door. And you know what? Sometimes that's the easy way to pray because I love when God just shuts the door. I don't even have to worry about it anymore. But when he opens up the door, that's when I have to worry. Which one is the open door? I can go to Ecuador. I can go to Peru. I can go to this. I can go to that. So we ended up in Argentina. Amen. Because there's no rest in the spirit. Not finding Titus' brother, but taking leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. He was in God's will. So God works through the peace in our hearts. But here's the problem with us. We're faced with all these decisions and then we just get stagnant. We don't make any decision. And let me just tell you this when it comes to God's will. God's will demands a decision. Who should I marry? There's all these handsome guys. This is what Katie had to go through. All these tall, handsome guys. Lord, who should I marry? This short Italian or all these tall, handsome guys? You had to weigh the scales, you know, and live by faith. And in 20 years, I was going to look better than I did when we got married. And she made a decision. You make a decision. Should we build or not build? We're going to make a decision. We haven't made it yet. So don't jump down our throats yet. But we'll make a decision. And then let me tell you this, when we make the decision, we better have faith. Because God doesn't lay all the things out that are going to happen. So we have to trust in him and we take action before it. And so when we come to God's will, we need to understand what is pleasing to him. And the more we understand what is pleasing to him, guess what? The more our light shines. He says, try to know what pleases God. I love how he has to say, try to know what pleases man. Because we'll never know what pleases man. He says, try to know what pleases the Lord. And as you're walking with the Lord and you understand what God wants and you go after what God wants, guess what? Light shines. And then he says this. And this is so much, this is so important. We need to avoid and expose the deeds of darkness. Watch this. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of what? This is a hard one. We live in a world that says live and let live. We live in a world that says be open-minded. We live in a world that says stop judging other people. We live in a world, someone once said this, when the one thing I can't tolerate is intolerance. In other words, the church needs to be more tolerant. We live in a world where some of our heroes in the faith are changing their positions on sin. John Maxwell wrote, How I Came to Reverse My Position on Homosexuality. He said he created a blog when he came out of college that the Christian position on homosexuality is right. The Bible is right. He said it was like alcohol. You just avoid it, stay away from it. And he did all those kind of things. But then 
He read a book by a friend who told the story about him. And he said, you know what? We become Pharisees. He says in his, in his letter here, he says, we need to understand they were made in the image of God and we've rejected that image. We're, fair, we're, we're thanking God that we're not like them. So then he said this, I started hanging around them and guess what? Here's what I figured out. All there are is love among them. And it's no longer a sin. The Bible says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Who are we to call something not sin that God calls sin? Who do we think we are? Adultery is sin. I'm going to name a few. I don't want any amens, but if in your heart you want amen, that's fine. Pornography is sin. Lying is sin. Racism is sin. LGBTQ, whatever, it's sin. We can go down the line. It is sin. What God calls sin, we call sin. And we're not going to bow down that the culture says, if you call that sin, we're not going to let you do this, and we're not going to let you do that, and we're not going to let you do that. I can't change what God has said. And we are not to participate or bow down to people who say, how can you say that? That's judging the world. No, we're going to see something that's amazing. Look what it says. Not only not participate, expose them. You know what it's saying here? It's saying literally that we ought to speak up. This is a verbal rebuke here. This is not just, I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to mow a lawn today. I'm going to let my light shine. No, this is speak up. This is say something. This is open our mouths. This is, no, no, this is wrong. This is not what God wants. We got a, we got a kid on the team who's out of control. I mean, out of control. His name is not Johnny, praise God. But he's out of control. <laughs> enough is enough, I told the coach. If you don't speak up, he's a cancer. You need to say something. You need to do something. Praise God, the next game, the coach saw him doing something that was a cancer, went out and took him out of the game and said, you won't do this. You say, why do we even speak up? What's the use of speaking up? We're just going to get shut down or something's going to happen to us. Look at verse 12. It says here, it is disgraceful even to speak of the things that are done to them in secret. I mean, these are deeds that are done in darkness. When we, it's, it's disgraceful even to talk about these. So why should we even talk about them? Verse 13 tells us why. This is a very encouraging verse. But all things become visible when they are exposed by light. For everything that becomes visible is what? Light. Now, don't miss this verse here. This is a very encouraging verse. Here's what he's saying here. The more we speak up, the more we live our life, the more we let our light shine, people see, wait a minute, maybe I am doing something wrong. Maybe I do need Jesus. And that's what we want. Never forget one of my first Bible studies with a guy named Hugo in Argentina. He lived in a really tough neighborhood. He said, Pastor, you can come visit me. You can come in, but you won't get out. 
And Ugo, he, he was frustrating me because every study we would talk about sin and he would tell me, you know what, I'm just a nice guy. I am a great guy. I am a wonderful guy. I am a good guy. Finally, in my Italian New York, enough is enough flesh, I said to him, Ugo, do you know you're corrupt? You are totally corrupted by sin and that you're headed to the pit of hell? He looked at me like, <laughs> no one's ever told him that. You know, Ugo, a couple of weeks after that, got accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He finally realized, you know what? Maybe I am not a good person. Maybe I do need Jesus. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought. You see, if we pat people on the back, we're patting them on the back on the way to hell. But if we shine light on them, they realize, maybe I do need to get saved. Sometimes we don't have to say anything. I will say that. I remember walking in one time on a party and my friends were drinking and they, they oh, 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 he's here. I didn't even say anything. He's here. And then when I left, they go, wow, I felt like I was in church. I didn't even say anything to him. I just walked in. But there are times when we need to open up our mouths and say, your lifestyle doesn't please God. You need Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. Here's the unfortunate thing. You know why we're not speaking up? Because believers are living in the same sins. I mean, who are we to say anything to so-and-so? I do the same thing. And here's where Paul gets really strong in verse 14. He's talking to the church. And he says this. For this reason, it says, Awake what? Sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's talking to believers who are living in the same unfruitful deeds of darkness. He's saying this, don't do that. You, you need to wake up from your sleep. You need, you're sleeping here. People are going to hell. You need to wake up, arise from your dead. You need to realize that you ought to walk in light, that you now are light in Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Wake up from your slumber. Start living for Jesus. And as you start living for Jesus, guess what it says here in verse 14? Christ will shine on you. This is an amazing verse. So here's what he's saying. No matter how far you go this way, come back to Christ, live for Christ, and the more you live for Christ and spend time with Christ, he will shine on you. And you will shine on others. And others will see the light. And guess what? Say, I want Jesus Christ. The person that led me to the Lord, his life was so different than mine. Of course, he told me things that really hurt about my life. But his light was shining. And his light shined so brightly that I realized, you know what? I am a sinner. I am in trouble here. I need Jesus Christ. And because his light shined, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. For some people in your life, you're the only light they'll ever see. And we display our light by letting our conduct flow from our new character. We display our light by knowing what pleases God and going after it. We display our light by not participating in those deeds, but exposing them and saying they're wrong. 
And not self-righteously saying they're wrong. Saying they're wrong because the Bible says they're wrong. Not patting them on their back and saying, you're okay, just live like you want, you're going to heaven. No, we confront it. We speak up. We don't bow down to the culture. And we allow God to let His light shine. We need to wake up. We need to stop living this two minutes with God a day, no light shining, mouth shut Christianity. We need to start spending more time with God. Let the light shine more out of us. And speak up more. And the more it gets, it's getting worse. It's not getting better around us. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Wait, wait, it's coming, right? First the vaccine, then the, ma- the mask. What's next? I don't know what's next. Maybe that tells us we have to wear tank tops at church. I don't know what it is. It's just going to get worse and worse. We're expecting it to get better and better. But God tells us to wake up from our sleep and to speak and to let the light shine so that people will come to Christ. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. When I see my neighbor, I'm going to let it shine. When I'm in the home, I'm going to let it shine. 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 Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture and we think about what we were, we were darkness. We were trapped in sin, trapped by the power of sin under the sway of the devil. But now, since we've come to Christ, we are light. Not that we have any light of our own, but we're light because we're in the Lord. And the more we spend time with you, the more light shines from us. Father, I pray that you would help us to discern what is pleasing to you and to you alone. Paul says, if I try to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. It's so easy to get caught up in thinking, what would the other person think of me if I do this? Rather than asking ourselves, what does the Lord think about this? So, Father, help us to examine, to scrutinize, to really know what is pleasing to you and then to go after it with all our heart, soul, and mind. Because the more we live for you, the more light shines through us. And then, Father, I pray in a culture that we are living in right now that is telling us to bow down to them, that, Father, you would help us to take a stand, not in an arrogant way, but with gentleness and meekness, take a stand for what the scripture says and to call sin what it is, sin. And to not only not participate, but to expose it. To speak out against it. It may be a person in our lives that's living a lifestyle that doesn't please you. That Lord, that you would help us to speak out and say, you know, the Bible says that is wrong. It's wrong. And may that light prick their hearts. And may they realize, you know what? I do need Christ.
I do need to get saved. Father, I pray that you would wake us up. We are asleep at the wheel. There are so many people around us who don't know you. And yet we're spending just a couple minutes with you. We're not talking about you. We're not shining our light in this dark world that is just getting darker. So help us today to make that decision in our hearts. Lord, I want my light to shine. This little light, how little it is, I want it to shine. So help us to let it shine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Light shines.